Well, good morning, everybody. You guys doing good? All right. So good to see you all here. Welcome, everybody that's joining us online as well. Um, as we get ready to go today, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read a passage from there and really unpack that as we start our new series today. Now, as you turn there, let me genuinely say that this is not just to, to toot horns or you know, blow smoke anywhere. This is genuine. I am so excited to be here every single Sunday. I really, really am. Um, I, in just two and a half short months, this has been the most thrilling adventure of my family's life. And coming here, and you guys have made it easy to be here. Um, it's easy to, you know, to, to talk with you guys and relate with you guys. It's easy to see your smiles even through your masks. Um, we've appreciated the, the invites to come over and meet you guys in your homes, to have you know, coffee and lunch and dinner. Um, it's, it's just so fun to get to know you guys. And I genuinely am thrilled to be a part of your church family here now. And something else that I love about this place, I love that when you drive in here, the first big word you see on the sign outside, what, what are we called? We're called celebration. I love that word. Uh, I, I love the fact that when we, we come here on a Sunday morning, we get to do that. We don't just, it's not just a routine thing, like, okay, it's Sunday, we, now we go to church, we're going to do this, and then we go home. I love that our name says what we get to do. We get to come and we get to celebrate together. Man, maybe, maybe you had a week where life just kicked you in the butt. And, you know, 2020 had a lot of those weeks. <laughs> you know, and early 2021 even had more of those. And, and sometimes it just happens, you know, the, the phrase, life happens. And sometimes life just gets you down and, th and things happen. But when we get to come here, this is where we get to come and we get to say, you know what? I'm dedicating this portion of my week, my morning. I'm going to start this off by meeting with my friends, meeting with my family. God's given us brothers and sisters and, and friends and loved ones that we get to come and we get to celebrate together. And we get to come and rejuvenate. Maybe you need that shot of life. You know, it says, this is what's going to get me through this next week. You could come to church on Sunday knowing, oh man, Monday it is all going to go down. <laughs> this, this is all going to happen tomorrow. When I get back in the office or back to work or something's happening, maybe you have a friend or a family member coming up and you're not excited for this moment. <laughs> you know, just something's happening and you're like, Sunday, this is where we get to celebrate, we get to spur each other on and we get to rejuvenate to take on what life is going to throw at us this next week. So I love that about us. I love that we get to connect Worship, recharge, and celebrate who Jesus is and what he's doing for each and every one of us. I love that about this place. So thank you for being here. Thank you for bringing me here. And uh, thank you for celebrating with me this morning. Now, we're going to dive into a new series today called Focus. So before we dive in, let's pray and uh, let's get going. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this place. I thank you that we get to celebrate. God, you are good. You are the creator and giver of all good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. And I'm so thankful for this, this family that I get to be a part of, uh, God, that we get to celebrate your goodness, who you are, and God, we get to see what you have in store for us in this place. So we thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. amen. All right. So you've heard me talk about the future. I've talked about that. I've only been here, I think, you know, eight or nine, nine or ten weeks around there. And I, I think I, I talk about the future a lot, what I want to do, where I want to go, how are strategies to get there. And last week we heard about missions, and there was a big buildup for Easter a few weeks ago. And then I was thinking, okay, where do we go from here? Like, I know where I want to go, but, but how, how do we best communicate what we're supposed to do as we move forward into our future? And so the, this word focus has been on my mind. What do we set our sights on? How do we move forward as individuals, as a body of believers that gets together and comes and celebrates to get to that next place? Now, focus is a word that we're all familiar with. Whether you're really good at focusing on something, or maybe you're like me, and you know, you're like, squirrel, and you go over there real fast, real, real quick, right? Maybe you have a hard time keeping focus. We've all heard the phrase, stay focused. Think anyone can go through life without hearing the phrase, focus, focus, stay focused. I do a thing with Avery where... Uh, 
She was trying to get our attention. I was like, Avery, I was trying to get her attention. I would just go, focus, focus, focus. And even at like one year old, she'd go, Dada, focus, 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 focus. It was so cute. But we all know the phrase focus. Now, Aurora will come home from school, and she'll have homework. And if, you, if you're a parent, you have kids, you know, in school, you've probably had this conversation. Dad, I just don't get it. Aurora, you got to do this. It doesn't make sense. All right, well, try and understand. It doesn't matter. Like, were you focusing in school? <laughs> Are you focusing on what I'm trying to tell you now? I know that I'll be trying to unpack something for her, and um, math is not my strong suit. Now, luckily, I can do third grade math. So I can still help her at this point in school. But she'll be doing her math, and she'll say something doesn't make sense. And I'll be trying to explain it to her, and I'll immediately know when she's not focused on what I'm trying to tell her, on what the problem is. Her mind will just start going, and, and I'll say the phrase, Aurora, I've said it so many times, focus. Look here, this is what I'm trying to explain. And I'll ask her, did your teacher explain it? Were you focusing on your lesson? Did you listen to your teacher? And I knew that would be an issue the very first time when she started school at Desi Evans here just a few weeks ago. Um, the first day, I said, Aurora, how was your first day of school? She goes, oh, it was so much fun. I'm in the talking group. My teacher told us to be quiet like three times. It's like, all right, I'm in for it now, right? So I know that it's gonna be hard but important for her to focus to stay focused on the task at hand. So focus is the center or interest of your activity, right? What are you really looking at? What are you honing in on in this moment? And I know that the information I was giving or the information the teacher was giving her in that moment during that lesson was super important. And if she's not careful, she's gonna miss it. It's gonna be really hard to recalibrate and come back because I need her to know where her focus needs to be in that particular moment. Now, same, same kind of lesson applies when I was learning how to play golf. <clears throat> now, this is an ongoing, lifelong thing for me, learning how to play golf, because I'm, I'm not good, but I have tons of fun. I, I guarantee, I think I've said before, if we go golfing, we'll lose, but we're going to have the most fun losing you've ever had in your life. It's going to be awesome. But I know that when I first started, I didn't know how to swing. I played baseball for 13 years, so when I brought the golf club up, and Jeff, you'll think this is great, I brought the golf club up, and I immediately went into a, a batter stance. Back elbow raise, and I was ready just to hack at that thing, and I did, and the ball went nowhere. Right? And so I was going, and I actually took a golf lesson. Something uh, Stephanie got me one year for Christmas was golf lessons. And so I went, and the instructor came, and I, I swung, and he said, never do that again. Just never, just, you're gonna, you got to throw that out. He said, forget baseball. And I was like, oh, man, that's going to be hard because I love baseball so much. But, but he told me, he swung, and then he took a video of my swing, and he said, focus on your feet. Focus on your backswing. He gave me different points to focus on. And then what happened is I got, by my standards, a lot better. Again, I'm not good, but if you would have seen what I was before to where I am now, it's crazy how much a little focus can change things. When you put your attention on the little details, what can happen? And if you choose not to focus, it's going to be a really rough time. Now, like I said, I'm not amazing, but I did get better. And we're going we're gonna to unpack for the next number of weeks about different things we can focus on in life. What can we shift our focus to as a church and as individuals on how to grow in Jesus and how to grow here at this church and in our community? See, I think this is something God desires from each of us every day is a better and greater, deeper focus. There's a truth that we should all recognize, though. The world around us loves to be a thief when it comes to our focus. The world around us loves to be a thief when it comes to our focus. When you decide you're going to focus on God, guess what's going to happen? 
you're going to get a lot of opportunities to not focus on God. There's going to be a whole lot of things. You'll have a lot of those squirrel moments, right? Things will just turn you that way, turn you this way. It's, it's going to be a thief. It's far too easy, so easy for hours upon hours when it was unplanned to scroll through social media, your favorite social media platform, whatever that may be, right? I'm not the only one, right, to get lost in the comments section of a post. Yeah, just get the popcorn now, right? People are going to be going at it, and you want to read every single thing they're going to say to each other. And sometimes you can't help but jump in the conversation. And then people start replying to your comments, and now your focus is shot, right? It's, it's, it's gone because you are right there watching whatever debate's happening, watching the TikTok videos or dances, watching the Instagram posts. I've been there. That would be nuts, though. I don't have TikTok because I can't do a dance to save my life. But it's fun to watch people having fun or humiliating themselves on social media. But it doesn't take long to see an abundance of negativity, even from just that one platform, uh, start to come into to your mind. You start focusing on something that starts putting your head in just this tailspin downward because you see a negative comment or a negative news article, and then people just eviscerating each other over their views on whatever's going on. And sure enough, you emotionally get caught up into a conversation where you don't even know anybody having this conversation, and you're emotionally tied into it. Sometimes, like I said, you hit see more, and that's the start of a long afternoon. We can be so focused on maybe our past or someone else's past or something in the past that we miss what God is doing in our present, and we miss where he wants to take us in our future because we've shifted our focus. Have you ever noticed, this is mind-breaking studies. You ready for this? Have you noticed that if you spend so much time watching negative news and reading negative articles, you start to think negatively? Mind-blowing, right? No one ever would have put this together. <laughs> if you spend too much time watching negative things, your mind becomes negative. And we can see not just our negative attitudes, but we can see it turn into negative actions and a, and a negative heart. It starts to bleed deep and go deep in your soul. But if that's true, then guess what else must be true? If we focus on the positive and we decide we're going to let that infuse our life, we can start to see a deep-rooted change happen the other direction. I know, if, if, you'd have, if you'd have told me yesterday, I probably would have said, I know that. But when you really think about it and you start applying it, you think, oh, maybe you start evaluating. What am I doing that's positive? What am I doing that's negative? And it takes a shifting of focus. We're going to unpack that today. Today we're going to talk about how we need to focus on the good. So we'll look at scripture and we'll, we'll see what does this say about what are we supposed to fill our minds with? How do, we, how do we encompass our minds so much that it actually affects our attitudes and it affects our hearts and changes the relationships we have around us, ultimately fixing and working on the relationship we have with Jesus. Now, I always want to grow and I want my, deep, my walk with Jesus to, to become more than it's ever been. Now, now hear me though. Uh, I'm going to say some things today, but I don't want you to hear the wrong message. I like action movies. I like superhero movies. I uh, enjoy reading murder mysteries, and here's a huge shocker. I don't just listen to Christian music. Shocker, I know. I said it from the pulpit, guys, right? My Amazon playlist does have secular music in it. I don't want everyone to think, oh, man, if there's anything that's not of, you know, of worship mind, that, that get it out, it's gone. That's not what I'm saying. What I am going to talk about is what are we spending so much of a majority of our time on that that's what's affecting us, that that's what's shifting our attitude, that's what's causing us to say, I'm going to now turn this way, and it's away from Scripture. That's what I think our focus needs to be on. I don't want to get into a legalistic mentality of it, but really a scriptural mentality of it. What is going to alter our minds for the kingdom instead of the world? 
when we look at our lives, I think you know, our focus has a lot to do with the direction that we take, right? If you want to go from point A to point B, if I were to stand on this corner of the stage and close my eyes and say, I'm going to walk to that door, but I'm not looking at that door, it's going to be a really hard rap path. It's gonna, I'm going to bump into things I'm going to knock over. Maximus is going to be mad that his guitar no longer works. It's, it's going to be a, a real, and Donald, who knows what the sound equipment will look like when I'm done, right? It will be bad, not just for people around me, but it will be bad for me. I've got to make sure I'm looking where I want to go. My focus is going forward. Chances are high, though, that you're not going to get there if you're not looking. The same thing is applicable to our spiritual lives. If we're not focused on growing spiritually, if we're not focused on the word, focused on our walk and talk with Jesus, we're probably not going to grow in those areas. It's going to take a shift of our focus. Simply put, our focus has the potential to influence your faith. Turn to, uh, if you turn to Philippians, we're going to read Philippians 4.8. This is going to be our main verse and passage for the day. This verse, just for some context, Paul is writing. He's talking about the importance of what we think about, focusing on the good thoughts, about how the thoughts come in, in, our minds every single, in and out of our minds every day. And if we allow him, we'll believe that God, how the scripture shows us that God wants us to focus on the good. So Philippians 4, 8, it says this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I love that. Paul mentions um, so many different words in here, the single verse telling us what to think about, and all these words can be defined as good, right? Pure, that's good. Whatever is lovely, that's also good. Whatever is right, that's good. Whatever is admirable, well, that's good. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, that's even better than good, right? So these are all good things. But however, knowing what a good thought is is one thing. Putting them into our brain and choosing to focus on them is something totally different. Knowledge and wisdom, knowing something and being wise about it, two different things. So how do we do this consistently? It's, it's not just easy to focus on the good when we're constantly bombarded everywhere we look with negativity. Um, I, I made it a point, I don't click on news articles hardly at all anymore when I'm on social media because, one, the article has a negative headline and the comments are negative, and I'm like, you know what? I, I want to be aware of what's going on, but I don't want to be infused with negativity. I want to I look at what, what good can we do from this? What good can come from it? How, how is God working in this? And focus on the good things about it. It's, uh, th- in this, but this, uh, this mentality of, of thinking of the good goes beyond social media and goes beyond reading news articles. This goes into the company we keep. This goes into the books we read, the, the music we listen to. And again, don't get legalistic with it, because like I said, I, I enjoy some good action movies and, and non-Christian music. But what are we focusing on that is literally impacting our hearts and changing the way that we look at the world, negative or positive? Does our environment that we choose to be in affect you in a way that positively encourages your walk with God? I think there's three things that we can do to try and make this a practice. And they, they, may, not be, they may not sound easy, and truth is they're not easy. But I think that if we do these things, it's really going to help us shift our focus to a more biblical focus. And the first one is this, recognize the wrong. I think for all of us personally, we have to recognize the wrong. What, what are we doing? How, are our, how is our mind working? And what is making our mind work that way? <coughs> Excuse me. As parents, one of our goals, and maybe you're not a parent, but, but you've gone through this. You know, as a dad, one of my goals is to help my kids understand what is right, what is wrong. There are consequences for actions, whether those are good or bad. Just I've got to help them understand at a young age what is right and what is wrong, right? Even if you don't have kids, you've gone through this. You can remember when you were a kid making a, a right decision or a wrong decision and what happened because of that decision, right? Now, when you're really, really young, you don't quite grasp this. 
We all know the story of the kid who walks in, has chocolate all over their face. Did you eat the cookie? Nope. Don't quite understand right and wrong yet, still working on it. Just this morning, <laughs> literally just this morning, um, my, my wife is not with me today. Uh, she's with some friends, and so I had the girls uh, with me this morning, and they came with me to church, and there's some cookies in my office. And Avery was like, Dad, can I have a cookie? And I know these cookies crumble and get everywhere. So I said, you can have a cookie if you eat it outside. So I go back into my office before service, and there are crumbs just everywhere. I said, Aurora, did you eat a cookie in my office? Nope. So I was like, all right, we'll talk about this later, Avery. And then, and then I looked at how many crumbs were on the floor. I thought, maybe she did just take the cookie in. And there it went, because there's a lot of crumbs on the floor. But I know that, you know, we all know that, you know, people learning right and wrong and having to understand consequences for actions. But as we grow, we start to learn. Some of it's trial and error. Some of it's through other people, people that, that spend time with you. Uh, maybe it was through your parents you, you learned how to focus on, on what's right and wrong. Maybe it was through a mentor or a loved one. Um, but we get to a point where we clearly start to understand things better. Things start to look clear, and then we have to ask the question for ourselves, is this right or is this wrong? And sometimes when you're doing this, you have the, the subconscious dialogue in your mind, and cartoons show it as the angel on the shoulder and the, the devil on the shoulder, right? Saying, do this, no, do this. And I, I love, you know, Disney cartoons where it's Goofy doing that, or um, when I think an underrated Disney movie, Emperor's New Groove, Kronk is always having that conversation on his shoulders. I love those conversations because it's true when you think about the conversations you have with yourself, you can literally start having that dialogue. Should I, shouldn't I? What are you gonna do, the good or the bad? And we know, though, we know how to point out out something that is wrong in the world around us. We know how to look out and say, that's wrong, that's wrong, shouldn't do it. But the shift now is putting it back on yourself. Are you thinking about what's right? Are we thinking about what's wrong? We have to look into our own thoughts. We have to identify where is the negativity come from? Why am I starting to shift and have an attitude that looks this way instead? You see, in the scripture, we get categories. That one verse gave us so many categories of how to shift our thoughts to show us what a positive thought looks like. And the way we recognize those thoughts is by shifting them through those categories. Whatever is pure, noble, right, righteous. Filter your thoughts through those, those lists and think, where are these thoughts coming from? Do they fit into here? And if they don't, why am I thinking those things? Because I want this to be instead what encompasses my thoughts. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul says this. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. See, I think, I think when, when we focus on our thoughts, that will transfuse and come out through our words. And this verse is so important because it says, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. I don't think that's just for other people. That really is for us too. We want to build other people up, but we also want to have ourselves be encouraged by the way that we talk. The truth is, though, it's not easy. You naturally focus on the negative. We, we naturally look at things that will distract us. And that's why social media platforms or news or different things can be such a huge distraction from our lives. The negativity can turn our eyes from the good that Jesus is doing right now in your hearts, in this very moment. I'm sure if everyone took time to go home and make a list, I'm going to focus on the good things in life. You could really quickly fill out what is God doing in my life that is really, really good. And you'll be able to see God working in amazing ways instead of focusing on the hurtful or harmful things that are happening in your life. Don't take your focus off of what is important and happening right now in the good way. Focus on those things. And, and hear me, I'm not anti-social media. That, that may come across today. I love social media. I have social media. Um, the church has social media. We put announcements and things happening, little snippets from the sermon on social media. I think social media can be an incredibly great tool if it's used responsibly. 
It can be fun. It can see great things happening with, with different people's lives, um, fun life updates, family pictures. I think it's fun. But if we aren't careful, we can allow it to allow, make us not recognize the good and we focus on the bad. We, start, we, we lose our inward focus because we're so focused on outward things. Now, once we have negative thoughts, we have recognized negative thoughts, that's the first step. Understand and try and find where's it coming from. That's gonna look different for everybody, right? Nobody here has the exact same story. So if you start unpacking in yourself, where am I going, where, where, why am I thinking this way? It's gonna look different, but once you find it, once you say, all right, this is really where it's coming from, I think, the second is to rediscover the replacement. So once you identify it, what are you now going to replace it with? How are you going to remove it and not just leave something empty there, but what are you going to fill it with? There are countless times in scriptures where we get the sense that, that Jesus is not just desiring to take something away from us, like, like the sins and struggles, but Jesus, once he takes things away, he intends to fill you with so much more. He intends to say, hey, now that that's gone, I get to move in. I get to do this, and I get to start shaping you in an incredible way that maybe you have never experienced before, or maybe a way that you've experienced that now we're going to expand on. And that's, that's why I think when people are, there's so many people that don't know Jesus that they'll say, I'm looking for something, right? Man, I've tried this. I've tried that. I've gone this road, and nothing is quite filling me. It's like, you know what? It's because you're not letting Jesus fill that hole. Maybe you are trying different things. You're removing different things from your life, but you're not letting God himself come in and say, this is how I want to move in you. This is how I'm going to fill that. And once I fill that, watch it start to take shape. It takes a shift of focus. People can often miss that once, that God, he doesn't just take away your sin. He doesn't just take away your shame, take away your sorrow, take away your guilt. Once those things are gone, he then fills it with love. He fills it with joy, with peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, the fruits of the Spirit literally start to be what you live out, what you talk out, what you act out because you're letting him shape your life. Now, I sense the same is true when it comes to our thought process. God's desire, I don't believe, is for us to be weighted down by hard thoughts, weighted down by negative thoughts. I think he wants us to meditate on positive things that are mentioned by Paul in Philippians 4.8. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we meditate on the positive things? How do we start to replace well, Philipp, uh, Psalms 1-2 says, but, who delights, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Again, he, he lays it out. I'll say it again. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on it day and night. And, and this isn't just talking about the law. Sometimes when you talk about the law in Scripture, people can say, oh, like the Ten Commandments? Well, that's part of it. But I think the law, he's, he's referring to Scripture. Scripture in its entirety, there's amazing, there's just amazing passages and stories and things that we learn from Scripture. And the good things that Paul talks about, focusing on good things, those are learned, those are really understood the more we decide to spend time and meditate and replace negativity with the Word of God. See, good things in Philippians comes through knowing the word. There are so many incredible stories in the Bible that influence the way you think. But, but I think there's more than just reading. Like I said, we've got to meditate on it. We've got to really let it infuse us because we've got to move from head knowledge to heart knowledge. Now, now head knowledge would be, let's say uh, you grew up in church or you've gone to, to youth or you've gone to, to children's ministry. And, and I could say, hey, Noah, you immediately think of the flood in the ark. You know, that, that's head knowledge, right? Or you say David, you immediately think of that Goliath. He took out the giant. Or you say, I say Moses, you think, man, Red Sea, plagues of Egypt, Ten Commandments. You start thinking, you know, a, a name gets associated with a story that you've heard. That's head knowledge. And head knowledge is good, but when you start meditating on it, when you start saying, hey, I'm going to really replace whatever negative I'm putting out, I'm going to now replace it with the word, and I'm going to spend some time in here, you then move from head knowledge to heart knowledge. 
things really start to change the way that you talk, the way that you act, the way that you move, and it really starts to do an amazing number in your life. It changes your heart because meditation leads to transformation. Meditation leads to transformation. That's why I firmly believe in, in meditating on the word of the Bible, like it says in this uh, passage, it said meditate on it. Now, some people may get kind of freaked out by the word meditate. It doesn't mean you have to sit there and close your eyes and light candles and what well, you say, meditate. No, meditate means study. Let your, let your mind be focused on this for that time. Meditate on scripture, and that will lead to transformation. And Paul talks about this in the New Testament in Romans 12, too, where he says this. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Listen to that first part one more time. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the replacement God wants to make for our negative thoughts is the positive ones. However, the deciding factor in this is, are we going to meditate on it? Are we going to allow God to start to work in our heart, to start that transformation process, because we say, this is important, and I'm going to put my focus on here. It takes time. This is not something that happens overnight. You don't just read something once. I mean, if, if you have, that's amazing, but I've, I've never seen it. But you read something once, you go, oh, man, life changed the next day. Everything changed, and you are a pro. You've got it down and dialed in. I mean, it's, it's a process, as God works through your heart, there's such this huge process that takes place with the shaping and the molding and the forming of your words and actions and thoughts. It takes time. It takes diligence. And it's going to take a lot of focus. Spiritual transformation will take focus. It's not something to be taken lightly. It's going to take effort. Mark 137, Mark says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Maybe some of you guys are like me. If you open your eyes and it's still dark, you immediately just close your eyes again. Right? You know, even, I've even done that when the alarm goes off. Nope, that's wrong. <laughs> it's not time to get up yet. Uh, my kids will say that when I'm getting them up. If it's still dark outside, Avery will shout, it's still dark. <laughs> well, you're with me this weekend. Let's go. <laughs> we, we've got to move. But Jesus went up while it was still dark left the house, went off to a solitary place and prayed. Man, Jesus got up early, made sure that he was gonna start his day focusing on his father. That's what he was gonna do. While people were still sleeping, he said, I'm gonna go be by myself and this will be my focus. I think if we wanna grow in, in that understanding, we really wanna grow in that, that heart-shaping mentality and that mind-shaping mentality where we get to focus on the good, it's going to take time diving into God's word alone. Find a quiet place. Spend some time with God alone. Diving into his word, spending, having a good, healthy prayer life, that is essential to having your thought and your heart changed. Find a Bible reading plan. I know that um, a lot of people, I've, I've talked, they say, no, I, I don't really have a plan. I just kind of pick it up and read. That works for some people, but if, if you're not wired like that, Download the Bible app from YouVersion. It's the one that is the most popular Bible app that you can possibly get. They have hundreds of reading plans and devotional plans. And just pick one and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. There's a category for it. And it really walks you through scripture. And sometimes there's even podcasts you can listen to where people talk about it and kind of unpack it for you. It's amazing and it's important to really dive in and immerse yourself in God's word. Schedule time with God just like you would schedule with a friend. The great thing is, sometimes you know, try to schedule with friends. I was actually sharing with one of my friends this morning. I said, hey, I want to hang out with you, but let my wife do the scheduling because I double book and I triple book and I get in trouble all the time. But I, so I told him, I said, hey, how about you contact my wife because, you know, she'll, she'll know the schedule so much better than I do, but, but I want to hang out with you guys. 
the great thing is when you try to time, schedule a time with God, his schedule is never booked. His schedule is never says, oh, well, you know what? I'm actually meeting with this family, and oh, boy, do I need to meet with them, so I'm going to push you over here. That's not how God works, right? And the minute you say, God, I want to spend time with you now, he is available now, and that's the greatest thing. You don't have to get on a waiting list. You don't have to wait forever to spend time with God. He is always willing and ready, and I would even say he's eager and just saying, when are we meeting? When are we meeting? When are we meeting? Let's go. He is ready to meet with you. Make time with him a priority this year. Watch your faith grow. God loves you, and he wants to spend time with you. And, of course, doing this, though, starting it and making a habit out of it, that's one of the hardest things. Um, sometimes you may start a plan, and then you kind of fall off the wagon, right? Like, oh, I forgot to read today, and now I stopped. And, and developing that habit is hard. Now, developing a habit takes time, though. Now, I remember three years ago, um, my friend sent me a video and said, hey, check this out. It was a video of someone on, on YouTube. He decided to do 100 push-ups a day for 30 days. He said, just an experiment to see, see how I felt afterwards. So I watched this video. It was, it was too long of a video, but it was entertaining, but I watched it. And you know, the, the guy was, was like, I feel really good, and I was able to do this. And so I was like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do 100 push-ups a day for 30 days. Day one came along. It was really rough. Day two was even rougher. Oh, my gosh. So, so day one, I, I hadn't worked out for years in any fashion. So I went down, and I, I couldn't do very many at a time, but I powered through and did 100 in a really short period of time. It was like, you know, did a set, took a break, did a set, took a break, got to 100. Uh, I also made the mistake of doing it, like, right before bed. The next morning, I was like, my alarm went off. I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> my, my arms would not move. I was trying to reach out. I was like, hitting the button. And, and then I got up, and I was like, all right, I'm going to do a push-up. No one! My, my arms were jello. It hurt so bad. And total honesty, I almost quit right there. Not even 12 hours between day one and day two, and I was about ready to say, we're, this is dumb. I'm never doing this again. But, but I decided I was going to go forward with it. It took me all day to do 100 push-ups on day two. Literally all day. It was a set of three or four at a time. And then I was like, okay, and then we're done. And then day three, same thing. But the crazy thing happened after a week. I got through week one. Week two got a little bit easier. Week three was even easier. By the time I was, getting the t I was on the last week of the month, I was busting these things out, and it felt so good. I decided I was going to keep going. And I said, you know what? I did a month. I want to do a year. Like, I want to commit one year, 100, 100 push-ups a day for a year. And by the end of the year, I was doing 250 to 300 a day, and it felt so good. It turned into, I had a group of people at the, the church jump, jumped in on the challenge, and we were texting each other, encouraging each other, did you get your push-ups in? And then it turned into a competition, well, I can out-push up you this time, I can do a longer set. We had a lot of fun doing it, and then we started to notice, I mean, not just that, but we started to feel healthier, we started to look healthier, we almost formed our own little push-up small group. I'm mean, serious, it was, it was really fun. As we did that, though, we learned we had then a habit where it felt bad on the days that maybe we were slacking. When it started to get to 8 or 9 o'clock, I haven't done my push-ups yet. It's turned into, i got to get them in. We were eager to get them done. Guys, I felt the transformation. I saw transformation, and it was good because I found something that I loved that I was doing. Focusing on Scripture is the same concept. When you start, when you decide, hey, I'm going to shift my focus to this, I'm going to focus on the good, I'm going to let that be a part of my mind because I'm focusing on the word, you can do day one, and then day two comes along, and you're like, oh, man, life's happening, I just don't have time for it, I don't really feel like I got anything today. It's easy to say, I just don't want to do it anymore. 
Heck, it, not even day two, maybe. I mean, it, you could even do it for a few days, and you just get to the point where, like, you know, it's just kind of, I don't know, and it's easy to quit. But once you see the transformation happening, once you see the good start to come, when you start to say, hey, I feel closer to God than I've ever been. I'm starting to look at life in a way I've never looked at it because I see God's handiwork here. I see how he's working in there. I see how he's changing me and how I talk. It turns into something where you're like, wow, I can't miss this. I have to get back into it. I have to let this be something that is now changing and shaping every fiber of my being because it's so good. Now, unfortunately with the push-ups, I injured my shoulder right before COVID. Um, I have something called shoulder impingement where I got a muscle and a tendon that, that twisted. And so push-ups now are excruciating in my right shoulder. So I had to take a push-up break. And I'm, I'm working on that with the doctor trying to get all the motions fixed and everything. But, um, but the truth is I want to jump back in really bad because even though I've been out of it for some time now, I saw how good it was. I knew how good it was. I felt how good it was. And I want to get back in. Scripture is the same thing. Once you're in and once you're feeling God move in ways you've never seen before, man, you don't want to go back. You want to let it infuse what you do. <clears throat> now, once we start to replace it, so we focus on that, we find the negativity, we discover where it's coming from, we find a replacement for it. The next step is this this is everyone's favorite accumulate accountability. I said the A word in church accountability. Yeah. One thing I know about church is that we were not meant to do lives by ourselves. And you've heard me say it for two months now. Just I love small groups. I love community. I love being around people. We are not meant to do this by ourselves. Paul, uh, God has given us so many things that Paul talks about where it's said family and friends and loved ones, our church family, where we get to do life together. And then accountability is one of those funny things, right? You're like, yeah, I want to do life with you. What are you struggling with? Nothing. Nothing, I'm good. Life's good. Everyone says they want accountability because you know how good it is, but you really don't want accountability because it requires something of you, right? Everyone wants it, but the struggle is when you have it, it means you have no excuses, right? you you got to own up to your stuff. you really got to work through it, and it's not easy. James 1.5 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Now, before I started working at Creekside, I was interning there for, for a couple summers, and something Pastor Terry did, and Pastor Terry has been there for, I think this year marked 30 years that he's been the senior pastor at Creekside. Now, something he did with me that he said is going to be very important for your internship and as you start your ministry career. So I'm, I'm in college, home for the summer, interning. He said, when you come in this office, the very first thing you're going to do for 45 minutes is you're going to spend time and do a, do a devo. You're going to read the Bible, you're going to journal on it, you're going to unpack your thoughts and spend some time with God. That is priority, no excuses, from 8.30 to, to 9.15, nothing fills your calendar except for that. And I remember thinking, oh boy, you know, here we go. I, I was ready to, to meet with people, to, to get, I was interning predominantly with children's ministry. I was ready to dive into the classroom and start unpacking lessons. He said, nope, you're starting here every day. And then what he did was he, I would meet with him. He said, hey, bring your journal in. I want to see what you've been reading. I want to see what you're working on. And so I'd bring it in, and he would make sure that I did it every single day, and we'd talk about it. And, and I was telling someone else about that, and they said, man, that sounds like, like, that was brutal. Like, man, he was like babysitting you? I said, no, he was holding me accountable. He was making sure that I couldn't focus on the little things if I wasn't focused on the main thing. He knew where my focus needed to be. And he wouldn't do it every day. He would do it frequently enough that I knew he's going to check. 
And not for a sake of coming down on me in any way, for a sake of wanting me to grow. He wanted to see me succeed. He wanted to see me thrive in my understanding and knowledge of scripture. And I went on to work at Creekside for, for a number of years with Pastor Terry. And as I worked there, nothing changed. Still wanted me to do my devos. Still wanted to, he, he would ask me, hey, who are you talking to in, in church? How's children's ministry going? And then eventually, how's youth ministry going? He would start to ask, what am I doing? Because he was holding me accountable. And if I dropped the ball, I'd hear about it. But it was never for the purpose of being punitive or diminishing. It was always for the purpose of he wanted to see me thrive. He wanted to see the body of the church grow and thrive. And so I was held accountable to what I was supposed to do at work. He wanted to see me grow. He wanted to see growth across the board. And I know personally, I wouldn't be here in this position today if it wasn't for how he pushed me, how he held me accountable in my life. And the truth is, we worked really well together, worked for a long time. There were good seasons, there were bad seasons. You know, we, we went through the good, the bad, and the ugly. But ultimately, I loved working for Terry because he pushed me to grow and he held me accountable. There are many people in your life, whether you recognize them or not, people want to see you grow. You have friends and family around you right now that want you to, they want to see you at your best. They don't want to see you fail. They don't want to see you struggle. They want to see you thrive. In some cases, you want to talk to those people and say, hey, this is someone that I want in my life that's going to hold me accountable. Now, accountability, though, if you want to be held accountable, if you want someone to partner along with you and say, hey, I want to do this, ask me about it. You know, really grill me about it. Really push me on this. There's something you got to do. Accountability only works if you're honest about it. It only works if you're honest. Entering into accountability requires honesty. See, the reality of accountability, though, is that you may not like what you hear. And you've got to be okay with that. You may not like what you hear. Nobody likes being told they messed up. I've never heard anyone say, you messed up. Yeah, that's right, I did. Right? You, don't, you don't fist pump for that. And, you know, no one likes being told that they messed up somewhere. No one likes being told that in certain areas, hey, you really dropped the ball here and you need to, you need to step it up. However, if you have a true accountability partner who's not throwing it in your face to make you feel bad, but someone who's saying it because they want you to grow and they're partnering with you in it, man, you get to see something change in your relationship with each other and in, with yourself and your walk with God that's like nothing else. <clears throat> Once you hear it, you can then work on it. You can work to change it. You can start emptying out negative thoughts from your minds. You can let uh, people see things that maybe you're missing. And then you can start to let what flows out of your head, what flows out of your heart, out of your mouth, change because you're letting people hold you accountable and you're working through it honestly. One of the greatest relational situations you can find yourself in is where someone else is regularly checking in on you and asking, how much time have you spent in God's word? And how is your prayer life going? How has church been? How's your marriage? How's your relationship with your kids? How is life? This challenges you to take steps to grow by focusing on things that maybe you aren't focusing on or focusing on things that you don't even really want to be honest about. But when you're accountable with someone and you give someone the opportunity to help you on this journey, things can change. Entering into accountability, though, once you're honest, you then have to know that it's going to be vulnerable. Entering into accountability requires vulnerability. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's kind of a flip the script moment right there, right? I'm going to boast about my weaknesses. See, 
Paul is one of the most vulnerable people that you ever read about in Scripture, talking about where he's fallen short, what he's done wrong. He, he doesn't, and he doesn't say it for the sake of focusing on his past. A lot of times he uses it to say, hey, look where I am now. Look what God's through me now. I remember this because I remember where God's taking me, and I know where God's taking me. He doesn't dwell on it, but he moves ahead with focus on the goodness of who Jesus is. See, the key when it comes to making sure that we focus on good things excuse me, the good things that Paul talks about, he deals with negativity. He says, bring it to Jesus. Bring it to people who can know you. Bring it to people who can spur you on, who can hold you accountable, who you're being honest with, who can get you from point A to point B and walk with you as you do it. But you won't experience it to the fullest unless you open up to each other and work through it. This passage says that through his weakness or this vulnerability, that's when we get to experience the strength of Jesus. I love that. Something that you think, man, this is a weakness. God says, I can strengthen that. I can strengthen you, and I can strengthen your walk in the world through it. I'd like to invite the worship team uh, to come up as we get ready to close out a service today. As we focus, as we focus these next few weeks, we're going to be hearing, you're gonna, I'm going to hear the word, you may get sick of the word focus a lot, but I, I hope you do, because I hope you never forget. What are you going to focus on? Focusing on the good things Paul speaks about requires a deep dive into Scripture. If you haven't started a reading plan, man, start today. Pick one out, go home, say, this is what I'm going to focus on. You'll start to see God do amazing things through you when you say, hey, this is now where I'm setting my sights on. Give yourself a goal. Like, seriously, give yourself a goal. Don't make it an unrealistic goal. Don't go home and say, I'm going to read my Bible for two hours every day. No, you're not. No, you're not. Something's going to happen. Life will happen. It's not going to happen. Give yourself a realistic goal. Set it. Tell someone about it. Say, hey, this is a goal I set for me. Can you help me get there? Can, can you shoot me a text? Can you give me a call? Can, can you randomly ask me about that passage that I told you I was going to read? Now, seriously, have someone come alongside you, with you, walk you through it step by step. Recognize the wrong negative thoughts that are coming from out of your mind. Recognize where they're coming from. Once you do, let God replace them. From there, get that accountability partner. This week, here's some, some goals for you. Schedule a regular time to read the Bible. These, these can be baby steps, but I think they're important steps. Schedule a regular time. Along with reading, take notes. What did God say to you in that passage? Today I read this. Maybe God told me this. Maybe sometimes your notes will say, don't feel like I learned anything, but I'm glad I read it. I'm sticking with it. Take some notes. Maybe as you're reading scripture, something will go through your mind about work, about your significant other, uh, about your friends, your kids, God, the church. The, the, the list goes on, but, but write down what's running through your mind. Write down the positive thoughts. When you have positive thoughts, take note of it. Remember it. When you have a negative thought, take note of it. Don't necessarily have to remember it, but take note of it. Take root of where it's coming from. And finally, meet with somebody. Meet with a close friend. Meet with a mentor. Talk with them about what they're reading. What are you reading? Pray with them. Let them ask you to help you identify any negative spots in your life. <laughs> I'm going to beat this drum forever. Join a small group. Join a small group. Life happens there. Accountability happens there. Joy happens in small groups. I tell you, my small group is awesome. If you're not in it, you're missing out. It is awesome. I love my group. I love my people. And we're sharing life and getting to know one another. It's the best way. If, if you feel disconnected and maybe even here, like you come in, you say, I see a sea of people I don't know, join a small group. Find a group of people that can spur you on, that can work with you, that can love you, that can hold you accountable, and watch the good things start to flow through your mind and your heart and watch yourself be transformed. Would you all stand with me? <clears throat> Focusing on the good isn't easy, but it's worth it. 
It is so, so worth it. Don't be endowed and infused with the negativity. Focus on the good. Focus on God. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that you give us so much we can focus on that is good. And I pray that as we go through this week, um, we, we take note of all the good things around us. God, we, we, we find negative things, God, and we replace them with things that are of you because you are good, you are love, and you are God. And I pray that you infuse our minds, you infuse our hearts, and through that, you infuse our actions and our words. And as we go forward, God, we always learn focus on the good, and you are good. We thank you, we love you, and everybody said, amen. amen.